This is Scoreline Extra, the KCLR podcast that condenses some of the interviews that we have every weekend on KCLR Scoreline from 2 to 6. Over the weekend, we covered a vast array of different topics, from Ireland's defeat to Luxembourg, Leinster defeating Munster in the Pro 14 final, and of course, the GAA. In this particular episode, you're going to be hearing mostly about soccer and photography, because we were joined by James Carew, Kilkenny native, who has started a new magazine and website, Pogue Magol, that looks at different aspects of Irish football culture, as well as world football in general. Also joining us will be Irish Photographer of the Year with Carlo IT Connections, James Crombie. But first up, we have Connor English, who decided to step away from Wexford Utes due to his battle with mental health issues. Connor was very upfront with the issues that he dealt with during his career and gave us an in-depth insight into why he decided to step away from the game that he loves. <laughs> You writ a very open kind of letter to, to fans, friends, family in regards to you stepping away from the game. Uh, you were playing with Wexford FC and you decided to maybe take a step back an undetermined amount of time. Can you give us a reasoning behind that? Um, yeah, um, I suppose the main reason I took the step back is because my own health, uh, my mental health suffers badly the last um, eight months probably. Um, like obviously haven't suffered for previous years as well as that but um, it was probably September last year um, it was coming near the end of last season and yeah with my experiences over probably five or six years even going back um, when I was a teenager I've always suffered with um, with my mental health and different areas of it and yeah last, last year I took a bad turn with it um, I was in the middle of the season, well, near the back end of the season, and um, football, everything like that was going going brilliantly on a football sense, and yeah, kind of, I crashed, and I had to take a step away, um, a bit of it, obviously, was kind of, it wasn't as noticeable to probably people because of the COVID situation, and the football took a little bit of a, a break, and so... It was good in that sense for me to kind of um, when it happened, you know. Yeah, certainly. Like what what I uh, hear quite a lot about is, especially during these COVID times, is people suggesting opening up these different avenues for um, for sport. Say, I play in junior soccer, and a lot of people are like, "Oh." If I, I, I'm, I'm going to use soccer as my outlet and they think it might be a one-stop fix-all kind of job and looking towards sport as this outlet for your mental health, which it certainly can be for some people, but it's not a, a plaster that kind of fixes everything, is it? And it's kind of encouraging to hear that it, it, it's not just that which can fix things. It, it's a lot more of a, a, a deeper issue than that. Yeah, it is, and it's, it's something... Um like you really, you really kind of hit the nail on the head there with that. Like um, a lot of people will say, "Oh, going up to the pitch might take your troubles away, or getting out, um, getting fresh air." But like, it's much more. Um, it's much more than that. Um, like for me, if that was the case, I don't think I'd have any problems. You know. Um, but yeah, I, I have to. I have to say, like, I think that's why I kind of wanted to open up and um, maybe make it aware to people that like people even 
probably looking at me and my lifestyle, probably say, oh, look, he, he, he looks happy enough in himself, you know. Um, he's playing football at a, a good level and he um, seems to be enjoying himself. Uh, he seems to be getting on well. And maybe other little aspects might come in, like, oh, he's working and, you know, all these little things, like, and they don't really see the inner the inner experience of what's going on. And that's, I think that's the unfortunate thing, like, I suppose it was a brave decision to um, come out uh, publicly and kind of stress that I was suffering from my mental health and um, and it was the main reason why I was leaving playing League of Ireland and leaving Wexford. Um, I really, obviously, didn't want to do it, which, you know, but it's, it's for the best for me, personally, because uh, I just know it's one of them things and... It's it's something that like I'd love for people to maybe take on board, like to as the saying goes, kicking the can down the road. I've probably done that for a couple of years, you know. Maybe not got the professional help, and um, yeah, I kind of as I said, I crashed last year badly, and it's been an ongoing battle. And look, I'm sure it'll be it'll come right in the in the long or short term, whatever it may be, but. Um, yeah, it's still a struggle of mine at the moment, and just to make it aware, Jesus, to everybody, uh, struggling because it's very hard for everybody at the moment. You know, with um, just all different kind of circumstances, with even the COVID. You know, it's uh, it's quite it's quite strenuous. I I remember it coming to. I kind of had this wave of realization a few years ago when a cousin of mine who was playing football at a professional level came out and he quit quit the sport as well and I for I I suppose I was a bit ignorant in in terms of looking at it saying how you're you're playing professional soccer you know how how could you how could you do that or you know you're getting paid to do something that so many people love to do and then that came from a very ignorant place because when I sat down and I chatted to him it was it was very an eye-opening thing and it, it it's I think it's integral for people to come out and, and speak about it, especially when they have a bit of a platform. We've seen Andros Towson do it um, over yeah. the years. You know, it, it, it's integral, but it is a brave thing to do. And it must be a brave thing to do to step away from something that you love so much and you ov- obviously love it so much because, you know, League of Ireland, some, you might have other work commitments as well. So you're taking the time of day to, to go down and train and play these matches. And the, the, Do you find when you're playing these things... There, there's added pressure on you. Um, it, it must be one of the examples of why you you chose to st- take a step away because the eyes are on you. You have fans, you have supporters, you have managers, and you have added pressure. Did you, did you find that that was something that affected you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like um, I think, um, like the self pressure you put on yourself, um, the pressure from obviously, um. The background, like as you as you touched on, with supporters, with um, uh, coaching staff, and so on, and um, yeah, like you see, it's a tricky, it's a tricky one in Ireland, and obviously with a club like Wexford, they're they're pretty much part time. You know, you need to work full time in order to um, obviously make a wage, um, and you might get. Expenses, you know, when you're, when you're playing at that level. Yeah. So anything you get is literally just um, to travel, like, and obviously living in Kilkenny, uh, geographically, like Wexford is the nearest League of Ireland team to me, maybe apart from Waterford. 
but um yeah so you're getting you're getting in from work and you're traveling um maybe from getting in at five traveling from maybe half five to seven you're training you're um coming home you're back up for work the following morning and then come friday you're playing a game so you're getting the day off work so you really need to get a job that like suits your football as well but before you even get to friday you're kind of nearly physically exhausted from work and then like being obviously nearly obsessed with playing football and wanting to do that your mental exhaustion is just taking up so much because you're like am i going to be starting friday night and if I am starting, what's my performance going to be like? You're adding just pressure onto yourself. So there's there's so much uh, that that consists of it, and that I don't like. And it's not the people's fault. I just don't think they might understand um, what goes on in someone's head with the expectation of themselves or from other people, because it's very black and white to some people. They might just look at it and say, "Oh well, he's not playing." Um, He's left out this week, but they don't. They don't know the sacrifice that goes into maybe that that game on a Friday night. And then, obviously, if you don't perform, or if you do perform, or if, sorry, yeah, if you don't perform, like the the mental effect that can even have on you. Um, but yeah, it's 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 very it's very hard. Like, and I can't say like football brought on my problems, but like it obviously it did, does play an impact on like how you're feeling because. It's like a, it's like a yo-yo. You can be up and down, like you know. Yeah, like even just speaking from my experiences playing football, at, at nowhere near the level you were playing, I must be said. But I, I had a quite a nasty head injury. So even going up to head the ball, say as a defender, it's an integral part of the game. So going up to head the ball was always after my head injury. I had three in total, three times I was split open, and it was always in the back of my mind. So it's stuff like that impacted my game from having a physical affliction as opposed to a mental affliction so i couldn't imagine the 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 pressure at that level being bestowed upon you to perform and i know it's relatively new and it's a relatively new thing to step away from it and you played junior football in in the past in kilkenny but it it, would it be something that you would be interested in at least going back to when football does resume do you you find yourself maybe enjoying football a bit more when you were playing with the likes of evergreen and freebooters or because i know that's something my cousin did he went back he played junior football and he started finding his love and passion for the game because there wasn't as much pressure bestowed upon him from the professional standpoint yeah definitely um i look i, I there's no way and uh, hell i'd be able to take um, a complete step away from football i just i just have so much interest in the game you know it's just at the time and even now that i'm suffering i, I just know I, I cannot commit myself to um doing that at that level and also trying to get myself right it just it just doesn't work and it hasn't worked before so like as you say you kind of have to learn from your mistakes but um yeah no without a doubt like and look whatever level it is i look i just want to be i just want to make sure i'm happy again and healthy with my mental state and um the rest hopefully will fall into place um but yeah, like it's it was tough because I was last year I felt personally I was going well at Wexford and I was getting goals and my performances were good even though like maybe as a club we weren't reaching the standards we wanted to reach but um yeah and I was nearly looking 
at saying like when when this when when I wasn't affected mentally at the time I was kinda of looking at it and thinking, Jesus, can I maybe go in the opposite direction? Can I kick on from here? Can I maybe get a move and could maybe possibly get a full time club? Like, do you know if I had another good season or had another good even couple of months, um, I was looking in the opposite direction because the manager would often be saying to me, he'd say, You're flying, um, you keep doing things like this and you could get a move for yourself, do you know and it's it was very hard then to obviously step away when you're doing so well, do you know, obviously your decision would be a bit easier if things weren't going as well for you. But as I as I said as well, like it's I'm twenty five now and I like I I was working and while playing at Wexford and I was travelling and then you're 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 really not in a job that I was happy with. So I had to weigh up a lot of things and the time away having to um get the help and um yeah, I, I really had a lot of time to think and I'm kinda looking at a different kind of lifestyle now to be honest. Did did you feel when you made the statement and and you got a, a, a nice positive response back from from people? Did you feel a bit of a weight lifted at all? Did it give you? I, I, I what I was trying to allude to was although you're relatively early in, in in stepping away from it, do you feel any benefits from it? Um, I know it's going to be a long arduous process and it has been for 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 thousands afflicted throughout Ireland. But did you feel any type of uh, hope in, in, in going forward it's great that you've taken proactive steps to help you but did you feel that there was a bit of a weight lifted off your shoulders yeah I did and um, it was I was to be honest I was really overwhelmed with um, with the response I got from like you could nearly go as far as in the country different parts of the country um, like I suppose I had to deal with the questions of um, when the League of Ireland was coming back up. Obviously, it's restarted, but they've been back pre-season um, the last couple of months. So I had to deal with the questions of, oh, are you going back down to Wexford? And nobody knew about my mental health. Are you, um, do you know, are, and even little things like about work and stuff, are you going back to work? And, and, and like, it's not, it's not their fault that they don't know about. They were obviously just being genuine and asking when they're going back down and um, to play at that level and yeah I, I that, that was a hard one to deal with so now I think I don't have to obviously deal with that obstacle um, so I was nearly kind of making up lies and kind of um, saying no I'm just taking a bit of time out at the moment and so on but um, yeah it was definitely a weight lifted in that regard but um, I, I just uh, the all round support like you'd be so You'd be so surprised um, the amount of messages I got with support from like managers that used to be over me, Wexfords themselves, the club, obviously my family, friends, girlfriends. They've been brilliant throughout the whole process. Um, and it's been very hard on close ones. But, um, yeah, like I do definitely feel like it was a weight lifted. Um, and, like, I think it's... It's a thing that um, I, the fact that I'm still going through it, and I know it's going to be a, a kind of a, a long process. Like I do understand that, and I, I've accepted that. But um, it, I think what really helped people um, with the feedback I was getting was, like a lot of people share their stories, and brilliant on them that um, when when they're when they've kind of obviously 
dealt with the problem and they're after coming out the other side. Some people kind of think to themselves when they're in the heat at the moment, like sometimes me at the moment, I'm like, will I ever get there? Am I ever going to feel better? So it's good to know, like, for the people that, like, I shared it with that, like, he's going through it at the moment, you know, so you can go through it together as such, you know. Yeah, it's it's very. I, I'm I'm very happy that you've you've made a, a proactive choice in your life, and it's obviously a hard decision when you love something so much like like soccer. Um, and hopefully you'll be able to continue to get the support that uh, you deserve, and you'll be able to come out of this on the other end of things. And you'll never know; maybe one day we might be able to see you back out on the football pitch, strutting your stuff down in the fair green or out in Evergreen yeah. Park. Or I'll throw Castle Warren's names <laughs> in there just just in case, you know. Down in the second division, it, 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 it's a bit it's a bit different. But um, thanks so much for coming on and being so open and honest. And hopefully, as a opposed to getting back out on the football pitch you're able to to, to sort yourself out and uh, come out with this on the other side of things yeah that's no problem at all Shane thanks very much for having me on and uh, yeah no it's uh, as you said it's been it's, it's a very difficult time for everyone and it's just about kind of um, knowing the basics and uh, yeah just trying to uh, live every day like take one step at a time Thanks very much, Connor. I appreciate yeah, it. I'd, I'd love to chat with you more about the uh, some soccer coming up or something, and hopefully we'll be able to meet up someday and have another discussion. But uh, thanks very much for taking the time and be so open and honest, sir. No problem at all, Shane. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Connor English uh, from Goresbridge playing with Wexford decided to step away from the game in hope of helping and having a positive step towards his life if you or anybody you know out there is suffering from any type of mental health affliction or is in a battle themselves the there's a where.ie free phone 1800 the samaritans themselves they you can call 116123 to speak to a samaritan if you need a support uh, go on to google and there's a whole host of different numbers that you can call and i hope anybody affected out there by their mental health or in a battle you just find the courage to be able to open up about it we've watching Locker Gale with Owen Larkin and talking about his journey and his mental health issues it's very enlightening when you get to kind of get to speak to somebody um, to to try and understand their point of view as I said I, I believe a few years ago I was probably a bit more ignorant than what I am to these type of afflictions so it not only is it a positive step for you to do it if you're suffering but it's a positive step to hear someone's story as well so hopefully if you're out there and you need the help you get the help that you deserve that was Connor English from Goresbridge in Kilkenny talking about why he stepped away from Wexford Utes hopefully his recovery will go very very well Next up was James Crombie. He is the Irish Photographer of the Year. Former IT Carlos student, Westmeath native, who was fresh off the pitch at the RDS as Leinster took on Munster. We up through that era of Irish sport where we were so successful and and um, that really drove your passion for sport. You know what I mean? Um, my uncle would have brought me to every Westmead game since I was from from about five to eighteen as well. So, you know, sports being an all, oh, I was never very really good at playing it. So I had to try figure a way to <laughs> to make a living out of it. So um, yeah, I've been doing it now fifteen years. So it's been it's been amazing. 
It's it's such a strange year, I'd imagine, to be involved in it, though, considering the empty stadiums. Um, you, you, you received the Sports Photographer of the Year because of the Tipperary Mayo game, but it's it was almost an eerie sense around that photo. What kind of challenges have have you come across in this? Yeah, it was actually weird. I was the overall press photographer of the year, not just sports. So, in a year with no with no, where I was wasn't doing sport for three months, so it was kind of mad. Um, but it actually opened up a lot of opportunities photographically. Uh, there was a lot more going on at games than than, than usual. Like there was fans trying to look in from the outside and climb ladders in graveyards and teleporters and you know it it did give us a bit of a, a different I suppose view view on sport for once and um, yeah so it worked to my advantage this year anyway and were you worried maybe at the start of the year in regards to how the business would unfold uh, being involved in uh, photography you run info photography were you worried at the start of the year obviously games were curtailed for a significant amount of time and then they came back with a bang and then they kind of disappeared uh, a yeah. small bit so were you worried at all yeah well like I, I don't uh, not, I don't run it but uh, my boss Billy Stickland runs it so but he was very good to all us photographers like you know we had meetings at the start we had weekly weekly meetings to kind of you know, see what we were going to do. So, like, we didn't know how long it was going to last. There was there was three months there where there was there was no live sport in Ireland. Um, but we we kept ourselves busy. I I started trying to do some different stuff just to, to add to the newspapers, and we were trying to meet athletes who were who were training alone and training. You know, I went down and met some of the Connacht rugby guys and and done them training on their farms and stuff. So we were trying to keep busy, but that that did run out after a while. I think just as the kind of the interest in that ran out sport kind of started to limp back in like we got, we got very lucky to get a GA championship done last year and rugby came back and horse racing came back so we were doing like I, I didn't travel as much last year as I usually would like we were I was I was I would have been at the Olympics uh, last year so hopefully I'll be at it this year but um yeah it was it was it was slightly concerning at the start especially 3 months in and um there was nothing going on but um luckily 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 something got going i think for everyone it must be hard for you guys to have a sports show when there was very little sport on like you know i could tell you it certainly was we looked back more than we looked forward at the time i, know, <laughs> I can assure I know. you when, when you know, there's only so much looking back you can do as well because <laughs> we kind of ran out of looking back as well you know exactly uh, you're mentioning your your uh, the likes of the Olympics, such huge sporting events. Last night you're at the Pro 14 final. Uh, yeah. You're covering GAA, you're covering horse wrestling, you're covering these amazing moments in time and you're trying to capture yeah. it. Do you get a sense of enjoyment of the actual experience and the game itself or because you're there in a working capacity is it a bit different than you're not, you're, you know, your normal punter there? Or can you feel when games are, 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 are at this huge uh, like they're preparing for a crescendo of emotion and stuff I know you're trying to capture that but could you do you get the same sense that sometimes maybe a fan would and do you get to enjoy the experience it's varies at, at certain things. I remember I went to the Euros, the, the 12 and 16 Poland and France and uh, my, my my job from, from Info was to take pictures of fans between the games so I basically was mixing with the fans for you know, four or five days and do, doing what the fans were doing and there's only so much you can photograph as well at that, you know what I mean? So, I had a brilliant time in the Euros. I got paid to go over there. I was about the only one that was paid to be over there and, and reveling in it all. Um, yes, there's certain moments, you know, I, I suppose 
if you asked me who was in the All-Ireland final in 2020 I was there I couldn't or 2019 I couldn't tell you do you know what I mean you do come a little bit kind of you know um I suppose you just kind of get used to it, you know. But you do remember certain things. You remember, like, the, the 100 metres in Rio, maybe, the opening ceremony in Rio at the Olympics. Uh, yeah, anyway, Westmead beating Mead a couple of years ago in Crow Park. Those kind of things. I, I, I photographed Connacht Rugby quite a lot as well. So when they won the Pro 14 final in 2016, but the likes of last night, uh, you know, it's just it's just a job sometimes, especially without the atmosphere. Um, like, it's been good photographically, but it's also been... It's you know the players. It, it's, it must be very hard for the players to stay motivated without you know without the crowd to feed off. You know if, if you're going bad, there, there's nothing to pick you up. You know the, apart from your 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 maybe your substitutes on the bench trying to cheer you on. Um, I, I feel for the sports people that the sports players really like. You know it can't be easy for them. Is it? Is there a conscious thing in your mind when you're? in this current pandemic and you're one of the few people that are getting to experience these live games and you're capturing them is that does that play in your mind and go I'm a part of history and I'm going to help create history and document history here it mightn't happen again for a hundred years or mightn't happen again for a significant amount of time previously we know photography has come on leap and bounds and we have very small amounts of photos from a hundred years ago so mm. now in a hundred years with the documentation that's going on are does consciously are, are you aware that you're creating history by what you're doing I think we always are. Like, uh, and I know when we, when I photograph, say, the All Ireland final, and and uh, you know when Joe Canning lifts the lifts the lifts the Lee McCarthy or, or Stephen Cluxon lifts it again, you know, you always kind of think like that's a moment that in a hundred years their ancestors are going to look back on, and it's quite a privilege to be able to do it. And um, yeah, no, like I, I always I always feel uh, it's a privilege to be able to record a little bit of history, and I I go about it with that mindset, you know what I mean? Um, I like to kind of say, you know, you can have lots of tight action, but I like to also take in the overall scene because it's amazing when you look back, I've been scanning, I have thousands of images here from the 80s in my office that I, I brought out of our office in Dublin down to down to Offaly to scan when we were quiet. And I'm scanning images that, that might never have actually got got um, archived apart from this pandemic and I find it like Olympians and stuff that we just wouldn't have they might, they might have not done too well in the 1992 Olympics but they're, they're going up in our archive now so look it's you, you definitely do as a photographer there is a responsibility to try to record a bit of history and obviously this year with the pandemic and as you said 100 years hopefully it's 100 years before we see this again I really hope that we can get all get vaccinated and we can just get back to normal um, but it is it is going to be an important an important part of our our, our legacy, I suppose. Part of our our kids are all going to remember us, and our, you know our parents. Everyone's going to remember this this awful awful period we're in at the moment. But I, I do. I, I have four kids. Sorry, jumping in. There. I have four kids at home as well. They're, I've probably spent more time with them in the last year, so maybe there's a there's a good and a bad of that as well. You know what I mean? I've spent more time with them than I probably ever will will spend. You know. So that's been a good side of it. Speaking of good and bad, you can capture moments of pure elation mm. and then you also capture moments of despair. Obviously being on the losing side and you know training all year and you might lose or in the Olympic case you're training for four years and you mightn't have performed in the way that you mm. want to. So there's a lot of despondence there. Is there a type... Do you get much kind of feedback in terms of the photos that you might have taken that show that despair and show that pure upset 
mm. harsh. Like do, you, do you get feedback from that? Do you get athletes been saying, uh, you know, that that's not me at my best? And but obviously, there's a journalistic uh, thing in your mind that if you ha- you've captured something now that's timeless, so it has to go to publication or. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when it's it's elite sports, look, that's part of the parcel of us. They they they're well they're well looked after, and you know we we have to cover what's there. Like I'll never stop taking a picture of a of a professional rugby player at his lowest if, if the raft are losing. When it comes to kids, you, you generally try not to emphasise that as much because when you're doing like school sports and stuff, like a kid crying, you know, might be a nice picture, but you, you can understand how that could come across negatively to them so I, I try avoid that um, but but no when it comes to the league guys no that's that's it you know, occasionally someone will say will you F off or something but the, you know I think afterwards they'll come up and apologise to you and say look I should have said that you're just doing your job you know I'm obviously upset so look it's, it's happened a few times but not enough to, to worry me taking them you know but again I say I do always say tell our younger photographers look be wary when you're if you're at a school game and there's a guy crying because you know, you know the way social media is at the moment, and and stuff that like you don't want to feed into their anxiety or their their you know uh, a, a negative image for them. You know, and and you're mentioning social media there. How much has the game changed from say physical copy and physical print as and now going into the world of technology? Obviously, the advent of it was about twenty five years ago or so. But has the landscape changed much in that? Um, have you noticed more? need for your public or for your photos because of online publications that aren't just physical media anymore they're 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 digital yeah not only speed like when we're, we're at games the all-ireland trophy lift will be distributed within 45 seconds of it being ta- of it being lifted so if you're on the 42 or, or your website or something that image is available within 45 seconds of being lifted and if you're if you're two minutes you're 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 by as well as sent it in tomorrow it's like those kind of pictures so certain games you know you know if, if i'm doing ga championship stuff on a sunday and there's 12 games going on if i'm at leitrim and sligo maybe that's not as important to get it in that split second but when you're asked you know, say that game last night, the, the Sunday papers are screaming for pictures. They need pictures as soon as possible. So they, they'll run, they'll probably end up printing the the, the kind of um, the picture and then go back and print the text afterwards. So they have a space ready for that picture. So in, in that scenario, speed, speed, speed. Um, and obviously, yeah, social media, like we, we I'm looking in for, we have, we, we work for the Lions and we work for the Six Nations and we work for the Pro 14 and, and those guys, social media is so important for them, you know. And it's it's changing, you know, editorial is coming, is, is coming, in, not less important, but it's definitely the social media side of things is becoming so important for, for all for all, for all news outlets. You, you, can, you probably understand yourself how it's going. Yeah, certainly. Well, uh, the biggest challenge maybe from a videography point of view is to try and convince people that it's it's not an, an expenditure, it's an investment in things. And yeah, absolutely. So, so it's a promotion of your product or your business and stuff. Um, and it's great to hear that someone with a, a Carlo IT connection has, has gone on to great things. Just looking back on that Carlo IT connection, mm-hmm. is, is it photography that you studied in, in the Institute? No, I studied commercial programming so I studied IT um, i done two years down there and had a great time Carlo was a, a buzzing place in 2000 2002 I remember I was in the, the college when 9-11 happened and I remember um, standing at the front door and 
all that's happened there. Um, so I've done two years and I spent about another six months then realising that I, I had to go to London then to find work. But um, I had a great time in, in Scraggs and in, in the in the foundry and I actually worked in um, the Devereaux's Bar for a while. So I, and I had a great time in Carlo. I really, really enjoyed it. It was a buzzing town. I'm assuming it still is. I still have a couple of friends down there that I, that I visit every now and again. So um, it's always a great place to go back to. So, so that's interesting. So where did the, the love for photography come from then? And how did that venture happen? Yeah, well, I, I've always... I remember my parents encouraged me when I was very young to say that I remember I got a camera we were in London on a holiday and I got a camera and um, I remember we got, the, we got the ferry to London that's that's what it was like back uh, 30 years ago on a holiday and <laughs> ferry in a train but I remember getting a small camera over there and it was mad the, the tiny little bit of encouragement from my, my mother and my father said oh you're very good with a camera even though I was hopeless but that kind of fed into me so I'd always kind of got had a camera after that, no, I'm not a professional, not a good camera, but I always had another point and shoot. I was always taking pictures. And um, I went to the States on a J1, and I actually bought my first camera over there. I was 19, and I took pictures of our friends, and, and, and I got back into it. I didn't really think at the time, it was film then, so digital. I remember buying my first digital camera in New York, actually, and it was the biggest piece of, like, I mean, <laughs> a Nokia phone had a better camera. But I remember I used to put batteries into it, it lasted 30 seconds. Um, it was awful, um, but uh, it was yeah. That's so. That was kind of it. And um, I'd always been taking pictures from then on, but I didn't actually think there was a career in it. I didn't. I didn't. Re- you know, I wanted. To, I love sport. I wanted to be involved in sport, but I didn't think. I didn't see it, a career in it at that stage with, with with film and stuff. I didn't think it would be possible. Um, and I hadn't went to college to study it, but uh, there was a reality TV show on RT, a reality TV show, and it was called No Experience Required. It was like it was like The Apprentice. I tell people. And I just threw my hat in the ring, and it, I won the show, and I got a six-month contract as a sports photographer. Wow. And um, that was 2005, so it's 2021 now, and I'm still there. So, so is, there, is there a piece of advice then? I know you went to maybe an unconventional route with the reality yeah, TV, yeah. but you're obviously uh, you know, very well-versed in photography, uh-huh. and we have a lot of budding photographers. All of my, my partner herself uh, uh-huh. loves photography. So people that are, are interested in getting involved in it, what, what piece of advice would you give them? Is there a single piece of advice, or is it a lot more in-depth than that? No, like the, there, there is, there is a, well, it's probably in depth, but there, there's such access now to everyone. Uh, the best photographers you can, you know, are available on social media. If you're into it, you can hook them up, ask them for advice, look at what they're shooting. Um, like I, I took a picture. I don't know if you've seen it recently. It went a bit viral. It was um, it was a murmuration over Loch Ennell. Um, but that 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 picture went around the world. But I spent sixty nights doing it, so it's patience. It's not gonna just happen for you. It's still, you have to really put the yards in. When when I when I got the six month contract in info, it was a six month contract. If I, if I didn't work at it, I would have been out the door. I went out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night to low level Dublin football championship games, and I was I had access to the gear. Okay, but I was able to go out and I really worked hard at it to try get the opportunities to get. I wanted to go to the Olympics. I wanted to go to the Lions Tour. I wanted to do these things, and I had that nugget to get there. So I really, I worked as hard as I possibly could to get there. And you know, if you if you, if you work hard enough at anything, uh, like photography, doesn't need a college, you know, degree. It doesn't. It you know, it helps. And I would encourage anyone who's eighteen and seventeen doing the lean search wants to get into photography, go study it. 
it's very important for, for a, manner, a manner of things. But it, if you really, really want to do something in life, it, it, it's possible, you know. And again, like, I don't think I, I'm not going to be able to do open heart surgery on someone. You should definitely <laughs> study for that. But photography is accessible, you know. And if you if you work hard enough and if you're good enough and if you're talking to the right people and taking advice. I had a, I had a guy once came to me and said, look, I want, to, I want to show you my stuff. I want a piece of advice. And I said, look, I will be honest with you. I'm just going to be really honest with you. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, what I think of the stuff. And I was quite honest and it wasn't that good. But I thought he would take that and improve. He never rang me again. So, you know, what can you do? Yeah, especially with art, you kind of have to be open to, to constructive criticism. Oh, totally. Like, you know yourself with video as well. Like, you know, it took you, I'd say it takes, it wasn't your first video that was a masterpiece. You know what I mean? It's it's going to make mistakes and learning from those mistakes and not trying to make that mistake the next time. And, you know, the, all that stuff, you know, I would say I spent thousands of hours practicing to get to where I am at the moment now I'm fairly relaxed and confident I can go to any sport I meant to turn it around but I still am on I don't take it for granted that it's just going to happen for me I work hard when I'm at games you know and, and put the effort in and I know if I, if I go to a game and I come away with a bad set of pictures I, there's a reason I didn't work hard enough you know well James it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you sir uh, wish you nothing but continued success uh, Mermation of uh, Starlings is available to see online I see at Irish Times uh, did a nice article on it and mm. uh, you know it's, it's been a pleasure getting to speak to you sir Shane absolute pleasure thanks so much for that And finally, we have James Carew, live from London, the Kilkenny native who has started with his brothers a new publication called Pogue Magol. This looks at Irish footballing culture and football culture around the world. started as a website about 10 years ago, myself and my two brothers, Keith and Graham, um, and I have a sports journalism background, Keith graphic designer. So it, it went, with kind of our ambition... The website was happening around a time that blogging and football blogging was becoming a big thing. Um, and we felt there wasn't really anything covering Irish football. Um, so we kind of started a website. But trying to indulge our passions a bit and, and our professions, really, we, we branched out to, to produce a print publication. And we're on to our sixth issue now. So people really seem to like what we're doing. Yeah, well, the print publication is almost like a bold move considering the days uh, that we're currently in. I remember being a young lad picking up Match Magazine and Shoot Magazine and then when I got more into music, Kerrang! Magazine and it's something that I haven't done in quite some time but there's something special about sitting down having the article in front of you as opposed to staring at it on the screen with all the artwork. You mentioned the graphic design background of your brother but there's something special about actually seeing it and just looking at the magazine, it looks fantastic. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a renaissance. I think we often say like it's very difficult to bring out a magazine for because for advertisers, print can be dead. And we're very much beating the drum that print is not dead. And you look at kind of football publications like the Blizzard and Mundial and then American ones like Green Soccer Journal. It's an opportunity to uh, combine art and graphic design with a deeper dive into subjects. So... That's our intention. Our intention is our magazine is is supposed to look as good as the content reads inside and that you would want to hold on to it. That you might stick it on, on your bookshelf or on the coffee table and come back to this. So it's a mixture of kind of evergreen articles that, that you would go back to over time and that looks as good as the content is. 
I myself have uh, tried to get a bit into sports right and I don't really have a background in journalism my background's in law but it, it, it's fascinating when you discover stories along the way like Notts County being the inspiration for Juventus's jersey or I recently had the chance to do an in-depth look at the Super Classico uh, between Boca Juniors and River Play and it's really eye-opening when you delve into these sort of things that not often get heard from an Irish perspective how are you finding kind of going deep into the history and the roots of Irish soccer? Well, our intention with the name, really, our intention was to give what we call football culture, an Irish football culture. So that's all the things that go into this global sport, this universal language, like uh, crest designs, jersey designs, stadium architecture, the history of clubs, uh, supporters' clubs, all that kind of stuff that, that's beyond the 90 minutes on the pitch. Our intention was to give Irish football the same um, billing as we would any other nation. So like you say, Argentinian, Argentinian football. If you speak to an Argentinian person, as we do, our, our magazine puts us in touch with people all over the world, you find that the language and the experience is the same. It's about going to matches or, or maybe joining up with bunches of friends to watch matches and that kind of culture around it moments in history, shared experiences, and Ireland has just as a wealth of, of history as any other nation. The League of Ireland, for example, is 100 years old this year, and it's had its detractors. Um, it's often said League of Ireland is dying, it's on its, its last feet, and it, it, never, it never does. It's still there, it's still beating. If anything, it's, um, it's on a bit of a comeback, or certainly making strides in that direction. 100 years of the League of Ireland, but that's only since the split with the Northern Irish FA. So there are clubs in Ireland like Athlone and uh, Bohemians going back to the 1880s. That's a rich history that deserves to be told. And we're good, at, we're good in Ireland at telling the history of some sports, but not necessarily others. And, and our, our intention is to shine a light on the Irish game because it's our game, it's our country, it's our league. Um, there are enough detractors of it, but our intention is to uh, show it in a positive light. It's a when looking say at the Super Classico, it stood out to me that the first ever Boca Juniors manager was from Tipperary, called Paddy McCarthy. And then when I was looking into uh, Frank Stapleton's time at Ajax, I was just dumbfounded to understand that there was John Kerwin from Dunlavin in Wicklow moved to Netherlands and became the first manager at Ajax. And just seeing the Irish yeah. influence throughout football history and stuff that doesn't come to the to the forefront. It's really encouraging to be able to see that and then just juxtaposed against the current uh, Irish football and landscape. It, it, it's great to be able to delve into those type of things. And Do you find that you're coming across these interesting stories a lot more now considering that you're, you're invested in the magazine and the website? Oh, definitely. And we have a whole host of contributors. Like you said, maybe you don't have a background in journalism, but we'd welcome you on board with us to write for the website or the magazine, if you felt like it. Our door is open to everyone. So we've got contributors from all over the world. Many of them are Irish. So someone like Donald Fallon has written in every edition. And he would classify himself as a historian. I believe he does um, kind of walking tours of Dublin. And Donald's, Donald's pieces are fascinating to really, really uh, jump into that history, especially around the kind of Easter Rising, that kind of thing. But... The, the the guy you um you spoke about Kerwin at Ajax we featured him in a in a in a previous edition 
Just uh, yesterday, I was chatting to a guy here in the local market in London. He runs an Argentinian food stall, and it's called Baja 10. So I asked him, is the 10 named after Maradona? And it was. So the whole type place was about Maradona. And he said his team was Velez. And I know that that team is called Velez Sarsfield, named after someone with Irish roots, a, a, a guy called Sarsfield who originally emigrated from Ireland. And that's where the name come from, came from. So when if you... The, the Irish football history goes far beyond our shores and far beyond England. We've got a rich history in England, but it goes well beyond those shores to, to all over the world, which is just brilliant to, to learn about. I find we find that if it's interesting to us, it's interesting to other people. It certainly is. Just to, to say in regards to writing for your website, you definitely don't want my typos anywhere near your publication, I can assure you of that. Um, That's, where the editing comes. <laughs> That's where the editing comes in. Uh, in, in regards to the Irish abroad, we know that Luis Quinn is currently playing her trade with Fiorentina. From a Carlo perspective, Eric Malloy competed in the World Club Championships with a New Zealand team. It, it, it's fascinating to kind of delve into the culture of Irish soccer, but uh, even from Kilkenny's perspective, Brian Byrne played in the MLS but looking back on on these people going abroad um and then kind of bringing it back to the league of ireland do 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 people need to maybe experience other cultures to for the say irish national team to be able to benefit from those and i mean that in a way that brexit is coming along now or ha- has arrived and players now can't go over at the age of 16 and kind of been thrown into an English football system because we're part of the European Union will we see more players go to the likes of Netherlands like we've seen with uh, Jude Bellingham and Jaden Sancho going over and having a you know doing brilliant in the Bundesliga so will we see more players kind of taking that route in regards to uh, not necessarily leaving the Irish system but not just going to the English system and playing that type of football would you expect to see more kind of maybe taking influences from the German League, the the French League, then over in the Netherlands, maybe? I would hope so. Um, there's, a, there's a whole conversation you could have in that. I think Brexit will have a huge impact, that teenagers won't be able to go to England, but maybe this opens the door for other uh, continental clubs. I worked in Germany for a time. I actually worked on the Bundesliga, and we would ask this question a lot. And the year I was there... I lived in Hamburg, and now Hamburg are a kind of sleeping giant of German football. They won the European Cup with Kevin Keegan and that. But when I was there, they were hovering above relegation and have since been relegated. And the season I was there, Southampton bought Shane Long for 12 million, and Hamburg spent 12 million in their entire transfer budget, and it was the third biggest in the league that season. And so when I say, like, what about like continental clubs signing Irish players they say we can't afford them <laughs> do you know what they, yeah. they go to England because they England is where they get the money so we, we have seen people we've seen people like Jack Byrne go over to Holland and it can only bring on their game and there are there are pathways for people to do scholarships in America my own brother did that he's a coach out in America now so um, it's statistically proven that Irish kids even against their English counterparts, are technically inferior when they go over as teenagers. So we, we might go on to talk about last night's match. There's a whole conversation about um, our coaching structures and what models we might follow, but it would only benefit our kids to go experience a different type of football on the continent. 
Uh, we've seen the likes of Louis Bagu-